Welcome to Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. This is the next evolution of professional development in higher education. Every week, it is my honor to bring you higher education thought leaders, topics of note, current trends, and new information to ponder. Shows are replayed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Pods. Please subscribe, rate, and share on your favorite podcast app. This is the first episode of season two, and I am thrilled to be back and broadcasting. Uh, Student mental health has received a great deal of airtime, especially since the COVID-19 pandemic disrupted every aspect of our lives. However, student well-being has been a source of discussion and concern for quite some time on our campuses. The team at Butler University's Institute for Well-Being developed SWISS, the Student Well-Being Institutional Support Survey. And since 2020, SWISS has been administered to 20 institutions and collected over 16,000 student responses. The assessment has helped universities across the nation understand students' needs and improve well-being initiatives. We are readying ourselves for the academic year ahead, and I am excited to speak to the team at Butler University, who is responsible for Swiss, and dig in on what we can learn from their initiative and how campuses can take part. Uh, But first, as we always do, we are starting with three stories we are watching right now in higher education. Uh, So there is Florida being Florida again, uh, allegations of board overreach at the University of Florida. Uh, The director of the university's um, honors program has been in the role for eight years, said he was fired for no apparent reason with two years left on his contract. Uh, Mark Law, the director, uh, said he was told by the university's board of trustees Uh, that he, uh, sorry, that he was told that the university's board of trustees insisted on his ouster um, against the will of the university's president and the provost. Uh, This comes to us from the uh, inside higher education. uh, And according to the honors director. Um, it is a title that he can no longer claim, uh, Law said in an email to colleagues over the weekend, alerting to them that the last day of his role would be this Monday. The board of trustees at the University of Florida fired me, he said in the email, effective August 15th. I learned about this only a month ago. I have never had a negative performance evaluation and have been led to believe I was doing a good job by the administration. I am 
bitterly disappointed about the board's decision. Uh, we are going to continue. It seems that every week we talk about Florida and the overreach, but we are also seeing overreach in North Carolina. We are seeing overreach in Georgia. We are seeing some overreach in Indiana, but maybe that's not what we're going to talk about today with our folks from Butler. Um, we also have from uh, also from Inside Higher Education, Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona is calling on colleges to challenge how they approach students success, and he unveiled a new grant program for minority-serving institutions um, that will allow for grants uh, to help students uh, in the achievement of completion. Uh, so we are excited about that. We are excited about that program, and we are going to learn more, more about that program in the weeks to come. And finally, uh, straight from Indiana, Indiana University, Purdue University, lay plans to split the IUPUI campus uh, in the next two years. As a former uh, employee at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, IUP, I'm sure they are happy about that because it was always a, what the hell are you and are you that same institution conversation? So that is not happening anymore. Uh, the public research institution has operated for 52 years as IUPUI and will split up come fall of 2024 as the two institutions that run uh, in a joint venture has decided to divide its academic programs. So those are the stories we're watching today. Um, those will be up in the show notes. Uh, and uh, so as we are moving into today's show, if you are new to Fireside, uh, if you are here in the room, please remember that you can ask questions by uh, indicating an opportunity to raise your hand uh, and ask uh, this uh, wonderful panel questions about today's show. Um, you can also use emojis and reactions using the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. Um, and then finally, I would encourage you all to go to your left-hand column, uh, sorry, left-hand dot on your screen where you will see broadcast to the world. You can actually broadcast this by clicking on it, uh, hit copy, put it into your favorite um, social media application and encourage people to please uh, listen to the show. And uh, this helps us reach more people. And it's a super exciting opportunity. If you are listening to this uh, on replay in any way, shape or form, please remember that we broadcast once a week on Tuesday afternoons this semester from the Fireside app. And we'd love to have you as part of the audience uh, where you can uh, be uh, a participant of the live broadcast. Uh, our guests today are from Butler University. Uh, Frank Ross, who is the Vice President for Student Affairs at Butler, is not on camera today, but uh, Frank is uh, currently the Senior Student Affairs Officer at Butler. His leadership in higher education has been in both public and private university settings. He joined Butler after serving as Vice President for Student Life at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in New York. And before that, he was the Vice President for Student Affairs at Northeast Illinois University in Chicago. Welcome, Frank. Good afternoon, Laura. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. And we also have Dr. Bridget Juhas. She is the Director of Student Affairs Assessment and Strategy at Butler. Um, Dr. Juhas has worked in functional areas such as student activities, alumni engagement, development, housing, and assessment. She also spent five years at the National Survey of Student Engagement, otherwise known as NESI, and uh, during her doctoral studies. She has presented original research on student well-being at many national 
conferences and has partnered with the National Wellness Institute to study professional well-being practitioner competencies, both within and outside of higher education. Dr. Yuhas developed and leads the Student Wellbeing Institutional Support Survey, SWISS, and is co-executive director of the Institute for Wellbeing at Butler. Welcome, Bridget. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having us here. Thank you. And finally, uh, we have Josh Downing. He is the director of well, I'm sorry, recreation and wellness. Uh, Josh Downing uh, is the executive director of the Institute for Wellbeing and the director of recreation and wellness at Butler University. He has over 20 years of higher education experience with expertise in collegiate re- recreation and well-being. He leads a comprehensive well-being initiative, BU Be Well, for the university through developing and overseeing short and long-term goals and implementation of the strategies for achievement of goals and objectives. Josh serves in a number of national leadership roles. He's currently the co-chair of NURSA Health and Wellbeing Task Force, where he helps NURSA ensure it continues to be a driving force in an integrated approach to health and well-being. He co-developed the NURSA Promising Practices in Health and Wellbeing, and he also currently serves on the board of the director of the National Consortium for Building Healthy Academic Communities, otherwise known as BHAC. He obtained his uh, bachelor's in sports management and his master's in recreational sports administration from Indiana University School of Public Health. Welcome, Josh. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for having us, Laura. <laughs> happy happy Tuesday and happy move-in week for the folks at Butler who took themselves away from move-in where it's probably chaotic right now to join us today. So thank you all for being here and our first episode back on season two. Um, so I want to uh, start by, before we get into this, Josh, before we get into it, let's start by defining well-being. Uh, some listeners may think that it's one area like mental health or fitness, um, but it's more than that. Can you define it so we understand what we're talking about here? Because right now, some people aren't feeling all that well in their own lives. So I want to make sure we understand the concept. Great. Great way to start, Laura. And I think it's really important that in any conversation around this, that we start with defining it. Um, what's really helpful is um, an outcome of the health and well-being in higher education, a commitment to student success, which was released back in 2018, um, which was a number of national associations that came together um, and basically said, hey, we higher ed, we need to uh, put well-being first and, and make a commitment to it so we can help our students succeed. And one of those outcomes is they um, released a well-being definition. So through two research summits, um, they released a definition that is foundational with the hope of a shared understanding across all of our associations, and that can be a stepping stone to systemic change on our campuses. So in short, A very simple explanation of it is that well-being is an optimal and dynamic state that allows people to achieve their full potential. So, and then it dives into looking at it from an individual standpoint and then from a community standpoint. What's really helpful in higher ed is that that's how we can come together and help build the supports, um, the structures, all the things to help support and move the needle forward on our campuses when it um, centers around the well-being of our students. Fantastic. 
So I, I'm, I appreciate the framing and that's important, but now I want to move to Frank, who is as the chief student affairs officer, there's always that strategy piece going through his head. And so I want to know from your perspective, Frank, tell us about the birth of the Institute for Wellbeing and a bit about its history, because I think that's important as others are listening and understanding where this all kind of came from. Sure. Thank you, Laura. And, and, you know, this, this is a, a long process. We've been working on this collaboratively really for the past, past five years or so, but the Institute for Wellbeing at Butler really launched this spring semester. Um, and it really started, as Josh indicated, back you know four or five years ago when NASPA and NERSA came together um, in, in those meetings. And what resulted from that really was the associations advocating for higher education to really look at student well-being as a critical driver for student success and encouraging institutions to, to take an approach that focused on the whole student. And I think that's something that we've always done within student affairs, but it really centered the work of wellness and, and really emphasized the need for institutions to share that whole responsibility across the university community. So again, this isn't something that is only the responsibility of your counseling center or only the responsibility of health services. It's everyone across the institution. And you know, that work has grown. Um, what started with NERSA and NASPA has now expanded to 15 higher education associations who have signed on in support of this. So this is definitely a movement in higher education. And I was really fortunate to be one of the people at that original meeting with NASPA and NERSA. But that work really, I think, coincided with conversations that we were having at Butler with students and staff and faculty thinking about well-being on our campus and how we best support our students. And what really resulted from the hard work of many of my colleagues at that time was development of BU Be Well. And BU Be Well is the framework for the Butler student experience, and it's entirely predicated on holistic well-being. And I can tell you that BU Be Well has transformed everything that we do, our services, our, our co-curricular programming, and you're right, it is very strategic in that everything is intentionally designed to meet our students where they are. Um, and our goal is to foster a positive environment to help our students grow and learn and be the best version of themselves. BUB Well has been uh, tremendously successful at Butler, and, uh, and we have the data to support that this approach really works. I think one of the things that I'm most proud of is we have a a rarely robust assessment strategy uh, for student affairs, and Dr. Juhas will will be able to speak more about the data. Um, and we and we really have the data to demonstrate that this has been a powerful initiative at our campus. And I think even more importantly, we're we're able to see and hear from our students. They understand the value that BUB well plays in their college experience. And so. So how did the Institute come to be? So we're talking about this work, um, you, you know, we're hearing about it from our colleagues that they're um, in student affairs as well as academic affairs calling us saying, hey, we heard, heard you at this conference and we read this publication about BEB Well. What are y'all doing at Butler and, and how are you doing it? And we had a number of institutions ask if they could come to campus and, and actually visit to see what we're doing um, and to, to learn from us. And so, Honestly, it was, it was the outreach from our colleagues that really inspired us to, to launch this new institute. And, you know, after quite a bit of dialogue and planning, both with colleagues on our campus, as well as many experts across the country, you know, we wanted to find a way to formalize uh, the work of helping other colleges and universities to better understand their students' needs uh, and improve well-being initiatives on their campus. And, and I tell you, 
we, when we do this well, in the end, both students and institutions thrive. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. So I want to ask a follow-up question to that, Frank, and, and anyone can answer this, is that when you say it's, it's part of every aspect of a student's experience, okay, is there an example of how it actually manifests itself in a student's life that might surprise people? Um, so kind of in that idea of, you know, people would consider that, yes, this would make sense that you're experiencing this as a student at, say, the health center or at the recreation center. But give us an example of where you go, oh, actually, you know what, this is where people see it in practice that might surprise folks. I lost Frank, but I don't know, maybe Josh or Bridget, you want to answer that question. I'll, I'll jump in. Oh, go ahead, Josh. <laughs> all right. We're all eager to talk about what we do here at Butler. Okay. Um, I think one of the interesting things about BUB Well is that um, so many stakeholders across campus have become involved with it. Um, so everyone who does programming on campus is involved with BUV Well because they can see themselves in the work. We've been able to um, encourage folks to keep doing what they're doing, not add on more work, but right. to start thinking about it through a well-being lens. Okay. And having this framework of BUV Well really allows folks to see where their work fits in to the overall picture. They're all a part of a whole. And it really helps, um, it helps everyone feel like we're all rowing in the same direction. Um, we all know the purpose um, behind our programming and our outreach. And it's, it's to help make students feel more at home on campus and support their well-being. So um, when you say, where might it pop up that might be surprising? I mean, it really pops up everywhere um, from students being able to search in our um, student activities platform for um, events that align with the dimensions of well-being. So if, you know, if a student is like, well, I really need some social time tonight, they can look through all the things that are happening on campus. They're all defined by the dimensions so they can pick out what they want based on their needs at the time. Um, everyone from the career center to um, our nutritionist on campus to our campus farm, they're all really well aligned with um, the dimensions of BUB Well, and students are able to experience that um, just really interwoven throughout their journey here. Fantastic. Um, so, Bridget, now we you have the microphone. Tell us a little bit about how this the program is currently administrator administered at twenty campuses. So the the Swiss surveys now administered at 20 campuses, how are those campuses selected? Um, and if they're not part of a program, if people hear this and they want to become part of it, um, I know on the website there's ways to engage, but what does that look like? Sure. Um, the Swiss project is open to all, um, and we would welcome engagement with um, anyone who is really interested in learning about what well-being looks like on their campus. Um, the group of campuses that have already administered the survey, um, we reached out to kind of a smaller cohort of campuses through our partnership with NURSA, the Campus Rec um, Professional Association, and we recruited six institutions for the first year of the survey. Um, and then I 
along with uh, Dr. Ross and Josh, went on it roadshow to all the conferences to talk about our findings and talk about um, our engagement <laughs> with um, all of the campuses that we were working with. And that really generated more interest. So um, last year we had 14 schools sign up um, without really doing much marketing or outreach. Um, and so that was a wonderful surprise that folks were finding us and getting engaged. Um, this year, we are doing a little bit more marketing, again, with the, the conference circuit shuffle. Um, and um, we have eight institutions that are interested for this fall so far um, and hope to continue um, growing that cohort as we go along because, of course, the more data we have, the more um, we're able to share out with practitioners what students are saying generally and then being able to break it out by student characteristics, um, institution characteristics, that just helps our practitioners be able to take the data to action much more easily. So um, I'm really looking forward to adding on to our groups of um, institutions this year. When you look at, I mean, this might be a question for Josh, but when you look at when you went on the road show, was there uh, common questions that you were asked by folks that you know, we're like, okay, tell me more about this. Is this going to create more work? Is this going to, you know, what were some of the common questions? And when you were able to show them how you implemented it, uh, did it wait, did it allow for them to find more enthusiasm? Tell me more about how people responded. Great question. I think you kind of answered it. Um, you know, really, it really, what the questions centered around was like, how, how, okay, now what do I do? How do I take this to action? You know, the data to action part, you know, some, some campuses were on their way with, uh, you know, a well-being initiative. And then there were a number of campuses that are like, I'm just trying to figure out how to get started. And a question is like, okay, what are the resources that I need? And my favorite response to that is you don't need hardly any resources. You just need to change your mindset and come together with common vision, mission, common vision centered around a well-being strategy for your campus. And that what really makes the magic happen is someone like Bridget, who has taken, and it really is, it's the secret sauce of success of this, of well-being niches on campus, is you take and develop assessment strategy around it. And here at Butler, we tie learning outcomes to BB Well then the person that may not necessarily know, like, how do I play a part in this? Mm -hmm. As soon as they see that, the light bulb goes off. It's like, oh, okay, my work I'm does. I'm already doing this. I just got to yeah. make sure I'm lining this up right. Yep, yeah. you're already doing it. And that's stakeholders on campus. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But now that if you're going to line up to this, we're going to shine a great light on the work that you're doing on campus, that you are truly supporting students' well-being, whether you're doing it on a daily basis or you're maybe doing it indirectly. Yeah. It's like we all play a part in this. You know, and I, I'm impressed by the website. I'm going to put that up in a minute so people can connect. It'll be scrolling across the middle of the screen on the, what we call the fortune cookie. And then if you're listening to this in uh, replay, you'll see it in the show notes. Uh, so if you're interested in connecting with the folks at Butler about this, uh, all the information will be up in the, in the notes. Um, but there's some, you got good reviews. You got your good Yelp reviews out there, um, which is important. From the University of South Alabama, we have specifically the Student Wellbeing Institute. 
Institutional Support Survey, Swiss, was eye-opening to learn that a significant number of our students have food insecurities. We are working with other departments to shine a light on this problem and seek solutions. The Swiss survey highlighted areas that we are currently impacting our that are currently impacting our students in a positive way. Learning where we are succeeding is often just as important as where we need to improve. And that's a, I think that's a really important part of this is that we may actually, institutions may be doing some really good work and not aware of it. And this survey helps to shine a light on that. Uh, from this, uh, I wanna put some positivity out there cause I dumped on Florida to start the, start the show. So I'm gonna put something out there that's positive from the University of Central Florida. Um, the Swiss uh, survey was very comprehensive and it helped us find themes that overlap, for example, how financial well-being impacted uh, other answers. Moreover, the Swiss allowed us to look at what well-being priorities our division has put in place and match them with needs the students provided in their responses. What I like about this response, and we see this all the time in higher ed, is that one department's doing something that another department's doing another version of, and then another department's doing another version of, and we are putting a lot of resources and a lot of time into things that are just overlapping, getting in each other's way and that sort of thing. And so what you're doing here is you're actually providing opportunities for efficiencies, uh, which I love. I'm a big efficiency nut. Um, and I love that kind of thing. But what I, but what this actually does too, is that when a student actually sees the benefit of efficiencies. So you are now able to drill down, whether it be around food insecurity, whether it be about financial uh, uh, readiness, whether it be any of those kind of issues and say, you know what, we know that you need this. And because we have the data to show it, and these are the things we're doing to help support it. And when a student sees the benefit and feels the benefit, that is so important. So um, I love that you have such positive reviews. Um, I want to ask here about uh, Bridget or Josh or Frank, you can, any of you can ask, answer this, but I'm going to start with Bridget. Um, you know, when you hear back from your partners, what are some of the commonalities you hear back, um, about, uh, the benefits of the, of the Swiss survey and how have they influenced campus practices, um, moving forward? Have you gotten into that? Have you been able to dig in at all on that? Yes, a little bit. Um, I usually check back in with our campuses that have administered Swiss about six months or so after the administration so that they have had time to kind of look at the data and think about it and have a couple meetings on campus, um, but it's still fresh in their minds. So um, those conversations have just really been great across the board. Um, one thing that Swiss does that's helpful is it sort of aggregates a lot of higher level uh, feedback from students that other surveys may ask at the individual level, like, how are you, you individual student, how are you doing? What are you doing? How are you spending your time? And Swiss takes it up to the um, institutional level. So we actually hear back from students about what they think the institution is doing. Um, and then we have all that data in one place along with demographics. And so institutions are really able to see where they're doing well and be able to celebrate those successes, as you said, because that's so important. Um, and also find ways to efficiently target their resources, even down to um, smaller student populations, because they're able to parse the data quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. um, the whole purpose of Swiss was to 
get actionable information into practitioners' hands quickly and easily. Because if you do surveys or studies and that information just sits on the shelf because people feel like it's complicated or hard to deal with, then it's sort of a waste of time, right? Mm -hmm. Because no one's using that data. So my whole purpose was to get easily digestible, comprehensive data to the folks who really need it the most so that they can be efficient, as you said. Um, I I have an efficiency devil as well, and I love, love, love efficiency. (laughs) So that was part of the um, impetus behind creating this was to really help folks who are, you know, no one's getting a lot more resources in higher ed these days. So being able to um, use what we have effectively um, was really important to me. Um, As a follow-up to that, because you are the assessment person, and I like your approach to assessment because, you know, there's two things that people tend to roll their eyes at. One of them is strategic planning and the other one's assessment. Like they literally in both cases are like, okay, I want to do anything right now. So just stick me in the eye with a poker. I will do anything but those two things. Okay. But they're both super important and you have to kind of, you know, it's that old adage of, do I have to cover it with cheese in order for you to eat it? You know, like if oh, you, sure. you won't eat the broccoli, but I'm going to cover it with cheese. Okay. And now you will eat the broccoli. Um, you know, as an assessment person, what are the benefits uh, beyond this? So you're talking about the benefit of efficiency. You're talking about the benefit of taking um, uh, opportunities to expand on and leverage some opportunities to do uh, better work um, with less resources. Resources. Um, right now, as we're seeing, campuses have lots of open positions. Like literally, like I, I right now in Massachusetts, where I'm, I'm based. I think the last time I looked at uh, uh, jobs in higher ed, there's like seven thousand jobs available just in Massachusetts at colleges and universities. And those go from everywhere, from groundskeeper all the way up to president. So I mean, there's lots of jobs out there. We're not, it's, it goes beyond this idea of getting more resources. I think we're going to be in a situation where we're not going to necessarily be able to hire all the staff we want to hire who are good at their jobs. So are there other benefits of Swiss that people could say in this time of either less resources, less people, less time, what can this do for an institution who wants to be really strategic about how to be, uh, how to, how to put forth these programs? Sure. Um, I, I will say too, to your earlier point, whenever I have meetings, I try to bring the donuts because no one wants to talk about assessment. <laughs> no one's throwing up. No one's showing up and going, woohoo, it's assessment right. day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there are a couple of benefits. Um, one is like any survey tool or assessment, you can use it, you can use the results to make an argument for more resources. Yeah. Or you know, instead of getting more of something, you might be able to make the argument for getting less of something. Um, We found that to be true at Butler in terms of, as Josh was saying, with BUB Well, we really learned how to get out of each other's way quite a bit. And so we aren't doing as much of that overlapping programming, as you mentioned. Um, We have plenty of partners on campus who are doing great things. Like let's not step on their toes. Let's actually shine a light on their work and we'll go do something else that's important to us. Um, And we've seen that our students are constantly telling us they're overwhelmed. There's just so much going on and they feel pressure to attend all of it, to join all of it, to excel at all of it. And no one can do that, right? So when we are able to take a step back 
it helps not only us as a staff to be able to have a little bit more space to really focus on the things that are important to us as a staff to support students, but it helps our students too, to not feel so pressured and overwhelmed. Um, as you mentioned, move in is coming. Um, and when we are doing orientation this week, we're actually backing off on a little bit of the programming because we heard loud and clear from our students that going from 8 a.m. to midnight every day is just hard <laughs> and it's, it's exhausting. Too. Right. And, and you know, I, I think, and we haven't talked at all about COVID and the impact of of COVID on this. So I'm, I'm going to ask some follow-up later on in the show and, and talk about a little bit about how potentially the COVID pandemic actually impacted uh, you since you've been doing this during the pandemic and the height of it. Okay. But what we hear from our students is, and from our staff, like, I mean, it's exhausting. I'm an, I'm an extrovert. And if I spent, I did a full day in-person workshop for the first time since the like January of 2020, which I think I was at your campus as part of that weekend. Right. And so I, that was a long time ago. And I did a full-time uh, program last week with a campus in this area. And when I got home, I was so damn tired. Like I was like, I need, I need all the, the massages and a hot shower and a bowl of ice cream. And I want to call into a ball. This was a lot. And I think our students are feeling that way too. And they were already overwhelmed, but now that kind of muscle memory of dealing with people, having something like this to be able to allow for them to make some decisions and know what decisions are being made. And you're able to assess it in the back end and say, these are the things that people are responding to. These are the things that they're telling us. This is what's going on. I think it's better because you're less likely to overwhelm them with opportunities. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on that? And then I'm gonna go to Frank with a question. No, I, lo I love that. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking of, you know, sometimes in our world that we as practitioners do what we think yeah. should be done or what we think is best based off of how we are trained or based off of things we've done in the past or whatever it is. But with Swiss, you're able to pinpoint mm -hmm. what's working well, where are your gaps and how do we need to address it? when we're here to support our students' well-being. And to think about it from the student's perspective is like, they're all on a different journey. I can't be up here telling a student like, hey, this is how I think your journey should go. Mm -hmm. I'm here to help educate you on the resources that can help support you on your journey here at Butler University. And guess what? There's a whole bunch of other people that are in the same position because we're coming together through BUB Well to do that and look at it. And then we have the data to back it up Ooh, talk about watching the magic happen. And that's why we've had such great success, right? And then the other thing too, from the perspective of the student is that they look at us as, it's just one Butler University. It's not, hey, student affairs is over there doing one thing and the career office is over there doing another thing. And the other, right, it's like one Butler. Okay, now we're all coming together and mm -hmm. looking at the whole community, the whole person and addressing it and being able to move forward in a, and I love how you said it in a very efficient way. Yeah. I don't have time for all the other things. Let's be efficient and let's move forward. Right. Yeah. I, I've been, I've been literally propping up this idea on campuses when people are like, what should we be spending time and efforts on? I said, look, I know you have a lot of people to hire, but you need to hire somebody, basically a user experience person. 
um, because our students need, they are experiencing things through apps on their phone and all that sort of thing uh, that is all about like, they've been told by Amazon what their experience is going to be. They've been told by Netflix what their experience is going to be. We need to be working not in such a creepy way as some of these online purveyors do, but we need to provide them with a real um, informed and comprehensive, but yet paced experience. We don't want them coming out of this feeling overwhelmed. And I, and I love what you're saying here. Um, before we get to Frank with my question, I want to tease out, we are going to be here. This is office hours with Dr. DeVoe. We are here every Tuesday afternoon on Fireside. We broadcast live here on Fireside and then replays will run in a variety of locations. Uh, upcoming shows that we're working on include monkeypox because we're excited about that. Um, and so monkeypox is coming and you got to get ready. Um, so we talk about monkeypox. We're going to talk about investing in ourselves and the federal loan forgiveness program. Many of our student uh, affairs, student, um, student life, higher education professionals, faculty, you actually qualify for the loan forgiveness program and that deadline's coming in up at the end of October. Thank you, Doug. Um, we want more people to get out there and apply for that. And if you have applied for it and you have had your loans forgiven, I'd love to have you as a guest on an upcoming show. So if you're listening to this, please be in touch. Um, we are working on a show where we're talking about rankings and that uh, story we referred to earlier with Secretary Cardona, um, he specifically called out elite universities about rankings and uh, how we have to stop worrying about rankings and we have to stop start worrying about completion rates. And so we're going to talk about why rankings are dumb. And uh, so that's going to be sort of upcoming show. And then uh, the think tank, one of my favorite aspects of the show, uh, will be returning the first week of September uh, with some of our returning think tank members as well as some new folks. So thank you uh, for that. And uh, hopefully you will all join us for those uh, shows coming up and more. Um, so Frank, as the senior student affairs officer, um, we have as a former, uh, chief student affairs officer, as somebody who has sat in similar shoes as yours, not quite as elegant and wonderful as you, but, uh, that being said, a lot of times when we're sitting around or we're talking to other SSAOs, they ask us like that nitty gritty question of, all right. Tell me why I should do this. What is it about this? When you talk to an SSAO, um, you're talking in a different kind of language. Sometimes you're talking uh, in a different type of tone or in a different type of reality. Um, so when you're talking to them about the Swiss, uh, how do you kind of uh, speak to the benefits? You've talked a little bit about it um, broadly, but when you're talking to your colleagues uh, who may be listening, What's the big takeaway that you think is really the sale position for them to, to buy into this idea? Yeah, great question, Laura. And uh, as it is move-in week on our campus, I don't know if I would describe myself as elegant today, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I will still try to answer the question. You know, so for me, when I'm talking to VP colleagues, um, in some ways, it's, I mean, the, the bottom line is it's about student success, right? And I think everyone across the country is trying to figure this out. What do we do on our campuses to create conditions where all of our students can thrive and be successful? And, and I think 
there's so much out there. And, you know, every day VPs will read the Chronicle or Inside Higher Ed, and they're looking for what is the newest, greatest something to give me some insights. And what I love about Swiss is it, it is customized information for me because it's from your students. So, you know, whether you're doing institutional planning or new program development, it's all about relying on data to help inform that, right? And so I always tell people, how do you know what you know? And how do you know what you don't know, right? And, and sometimes you don't know unless you ask the questions. And, and so that's what Swiss does for us. It, I think it asks new questions in a different way that really gets at the heart at what's important to students and asks what they need. And, and it's all based on what the literature tells us is important for their success. And so as a vice president, I can tell you this survey really gives me great insights into our work. Um, and I think that's one of the greatest things about the survey. It, it really kind of flips the narrative. So instead of asking students to self-report health behaviors, which, and that is important to know, but instead of asking students to report on their own behaviors, it asks the students to assess how we, the institution's doing, to support them in their well-being. And that's, that's critical information. And so, um, you know, earlier you were talking about mental health. And of course, student affairs leaders across the country, we're all so focused on mental health. And we have to be. What I really like about Swiss is it takes a comprehensive and holistic look at students and their well-being. And that, of course, that includes mental health, of course, but it, fa- it factors in all the other components of well-being that we really have to address if we really are committed to students and their success. And so I, I would just say to a VP colleague, this, is, this gives me more information than many of the surveys that I've seen in the past. And it, as a vice president, it gives me clear direction on areas that we need to focus on to better support our students. Well, and I think if I were sitting with you in the VPSA lounge at an ASPA conference and talking to you about this, I think one of the things that would kind of key in on me would, with what you just said is we spent a lot of time talking about mental health. We know it's important, but we also know, as I'm thinking in the back of my mind, thinking about the campuses I've served and are serving with right now, is that there's, there's going to be some resistance by some students to go seek out mental health opportunities on campus. Um, we know that well-being is deeper than one dimension of someone's life on a campus. And if I know that my community has got a population where engaging in certain types of activities in terms of cer- certain programs, experiencing certain types of uh, opportunities on campus can actually enhance their well-being. That may also help my counseling center, my health center, the places that are feeling the, and shouldering the burden of some of these mental health issues. I'm not saying mental health will go away because all of a sudden we are offering some other other. Um, other programs on campus, the need for mental health uh, services will always be there. But the feeling of resiliency, an opportunity for our students to build up, say, these are the ways I'm going to have coping mechanisms that are healthy, uh, allow for me to engage in the campus in a way that is actually useful um, to my mental health and to my sense of well-being. To me, that would be, okay, I know I have good programs. I know I have good staff. If I can kind of coordinate it in a way that makes sense and it will help my my counseling center. Am I on the right track, Frank? Without question. I mean, I, I you know, I've supervised counseling centers on a number of campuses and what I consistently hear from counseling center directors is, 
you know, there's a certain percentage of students that come to the counseling center that really don't need counseling. They're not mm-hmm. best served yep. by that support. Now, many students might need someone to talk to, but that doesn't necessarily mean they they need one-on-one therapy, right? And so I think the benefit to this is it really helps address the totality of the student and their experience and, and identifies areas on your campus where you may have deficiencies that you do need to increase support for students. And that may or may not be mental health services on your campus. And I think that's what's so great about it is the results are customized to your campus. And then you also have from the Institute consultants who can work with you to help design interventions on your campus if, if that's beneficial to you. That's great. Um, I want to um, follow up on something I, I alluded to earlier, uh, Josh, and I'm going to send this one to you about covid and about how COVID uh, was part of the reality, or it still is, you know, the the pandemic's not over, even though we're over it. Um, The pandemic's still here. But when you started all of this, we were in full-on pandemic mode. Do you think, uh, and tell us what you discovered about um, the associated disruptions of the pandemic and uh, its impact on well-being, um, it's an interesting time to launch a well-being program in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, so congratulations on taking that that jump off the edge of the pier. Um, so tell us how Swiss has helped campuses provide proper response, and has the pandemic kind of framed this in a certain way? Well, you said COVID's over because you talked about monkeypox. So, <laughs> so we're moving no, on. We're going to have it all at once. We're just going to literally. I mean, it's going to be one thing after the other. It's, after it's the other. over to a lot of people. So now <laughs> you know, then they're going like, there's no way monkeypox is going to happen. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so great question. And yeah, I'm not sure what we were thinking to jump <laughs> off the, during COVID. And, um, you know, what better time? Right. Yeah, right. It's a perfect time. Yeah. Let's, um, let's launch a well-being survey in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, and it, it, it institutions realize now more than ever they have to figure out how to come up with a holistic and comprehensive approach to support students' well-being, and it's almost like perfect timing that this came out when it did. Mm-hmm. And you know, during COVID, we all know the things that happened to all of us, and specifically students around isolation and lack of social opportunities and sense of belonging. And, you know, when I was in college, the social aspect was probably the most important thing to me. And, you know, thinking about people like myself, if if that got taken away, how would that have impacted my mental health? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I want to think about it. And, you know, so you think about those students that didn't really have the college experience that we have framed up for all these years. And, they're impacted almost over three years. So, which is just crazy to think about. And then you think about the students coming in Mm -hmm. um, and what they experienced in high school. Um, Now more than ever, this is critical and important. And each university is going to be different, right? Depending on where they're at, location, population they serve, public, private, small, large, whatever it is. And that's what's great about it is that Swiss can help those institutions understand where their students are and what supports they need so they can build it potentially during whatever we want to call normal times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If normal times exist or will ever exist, I don't know. Um, So then, you know, thinking about what are those things you can do around the social to bring it back and what are the campus traditions that you can, you know, 
enhance and strengthen and really bring that sense of belonging back to, to students. And it's going to be different and it's going to be different approaches on how we, how we build those supports and mechanisms to help students. Students are in a different place now, right. you know, than when they once before. And the generation is entirely different yep. than before. And, you know, we're realizing that in real time. Mm-hmm. So being able to have this data at our fingertips is so critical to be able to, to move forward. And I want to go back to the uh, experience thing that you were talking about and how important it is to the student experience. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my brother-in-law who works in, um, he helps fortune 500 companies with customer service and figuring out like best approaches. And he talks about a lot, the last best experience. Uh-huh. What was the last best experience that you had? So if we think about that for our students, what was the last best experience that they had? Okay, now how can we expand on it? Mm, right? I love that. Okay, yes. I'm writing that down, Josh, because that is, I love that last best experience uh, because that is something that our students are well aware of. One of the things I always do when I kind of talk, I teach student affairs class uh, at uh, Boston College and at Boston University in the graduate programs. And I ask students, what's your favorite app on your phone? And I relate that to this idea of student service is that students have a favorite app. What is the one you use the most? What is your favorite app? What is that experience? Is it because of quality? Is it because of permeation, like how many other people use it? What is it and what is it about? And we we have that conversation, but our students are so digitally connected and they're so consumer connected that I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. So that's, that's great. Um, Bridget, I failed to ask a follow-up question before, and I want to make sure I key in on this for you. Um, you are an assessment person and something that I always wanted to do when I was a VPSA and we worked really hard to do this is creating a sense of a uh, culture of assessment on a campus. And do you think the Swiss actually helps that? Do you think that that actually can be something that can, can propel an institution to get their head wrapped around? I was poking a little fun at you earlier about, you know, you have to bring donuts and you have to try to like fool people into it. But do you think that Swiss can actually help propel that uh, opportunity to build a, a, a culture of assessment on a campus? Absolutely. Um, I think, one of the great things about Swiss is that it offers those opportunities, as you were saying earlier, to highlight successes as well. Um, and when folks see the impact of their work and see it highlighted by um, upper level administrators and even go out in marketing materials for the university, they really feel like, wow, I, I can see that I'm making a difference. Like here it is in black and white. Um, we've, we've seen that here at Butler um, the sense that everybody kind of knows what the plan is. We all have our outcomes defined. We all know which direction we're rowing. Um, and then we're able to turn our successes into really great marketing for the work that we do um, to get the word out and shine those spotlights on the areas that we're most proud of. Um, and when folks feel recognized like that, it's much easier to get them to buy into providing more information to make themselves look great. <laughs> so we um, we shine lights on those bright spots and make them even brighter. And then those areas that we need to take care of, 
we work on that behind the scenes and we make sure that our staff feels supported and never like I'm never going to be a judgy assessment person. I don't come in and say like, oh, you didn't do 37 programs. You only did 35. Like, no, Um, we just try to help our practitioners get the information that they need to do what they're experts in. And I collect all the data and the numbers and I crunch all those things and they get to be practitioners, which is what they're best at. Yeah, I love that. Um, And, you know, I I think that when you're trying to create this uh, culture of assessment, something that I've found in the past is that when people actually start to think about the benefits of assessment, they're actually more enthusiastic about it and they actually don't see it as extra. If you can actually frame it as a way as like, let's just bake this into how we do our work. Um, and that's great. And that really lends itself to the positivity and the, uh, possibility of this Swiss program is that as, as each of you have said in various ways, this is baked into all sorts of aspects of the student life on the Butler campus. Um, it is not an extra. And so when you can do that same thing with assessment, it, it totally, it changes your, your mindset, which is great. Um, as a final question, and then I'll probably have an, a little bit more for all of you, but I want you to be marinating on this before, uh, for a minute, and I'm going to do a little plug, and then I'm going to come back to you. But I am going to ask all of you about key benefits of Swiss uh, for campuses. Uh, but I also want to think about you have campuses that are part of this program now. Are you looking to expand to certain types of campuses? Are you hoping that more types of, let's say, community colleges or HBCUs or minority serving institutions, are you thinking about a little bit more of that? So I'd love your thoughts on the key benefits of Swiss and what are some other campuses you hope uh, or types of campuses you want to see come into play in the future as Swiss continues to expand and, and encourage more people into the umbrella of the big tent of Swiss, okay? Um, so to tease this out, I uh, want to make sure we're all aware that it's Tuesday. Tuesday is going to be the day for Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe this semester. We are back uh, for season two, um, and we will be broadcasting on Tuesday afternoons. Uh, please follow me here on Fireside uh, whenever I, I put out a new show. Uh, you will get an alert uh, as someone who follows me here. Um, and then it will also be rebroadcast uh, on uh, both always Fireside, but also on Apple Podcasts, uh, on Spotify, and on iHeart Music Podcasts. So uh, please be in touch and please be aware. And more information will come up about future episodes at the end of today's broadcast. So um, I've given all of you something to marinate on. And so I'm going to start with uh, Josh, then we'll go to Bridget, and then we'll go to Frank on what we're talking about here. So Josh, what are your thoughts on on what are the benefits and who are you hoping to maybe see be part of this uh, program as it continues to expand? Uh, so thank you. Um, when I think about the benefits, um, you know, in my role as co-chair of the Nurse Health and Wellbeing Task Force, you know, we're trying to help our profession figure this out and move forward. And it always comes back to how, how can we do this? How do we start? How do we assess it? What are the things that we need to put in place? What are the resources that we need? Well, if you look at, you know, every campus is going to be different. There's different frameworks that you can utilize. 
There's different resources you can utilize. So when you bring the, all those things together and then have an assessment strategy with it, and not only Swiss, but you can use some other assessment tools as well. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, watch what happens, right? You just have to be committed to it. And you have to have not only the buy-in of someone like Dr. Ross, who's talking about it at his level, the buy-in across student affairs, but also across the university, and then at the student level too, is that you get all those things together. It's like the work is never going to end. We're never going to perfect it. We're just going to keep trying to move the needle forward. And it's always going to be a little bit different. And we're going to get that information out of an awesome assessment tool like Swiss looking at the how. And I always will go back to the how. And as, so as think about what type of universities, I'm, I'll, I'll let Bridget answer it, but my goal would be all universities. <laughs> Every single university in the Open. entire, <laughs> I'm going to say world. Okay. I don't know if there's enough Bridgets to go around to do that though. Bridget's no like, pressure. I need more money. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to need more time, more money. Bridget, what are your thoughts? Um, agree wholeheartedly with everything Josh said. Um, I think one of the nice things about Swiss is that we're building a really great um, aggregate data set so that institutions can sort of benchmark what's going on on their campus um, against what's going on everywhere else. Um, there hasn't been a data set like that for folks to kind of check the temperature on their campus um, and compare it with others. So I'm excited about growing that. Um, and I don't know if I'm ready for all the institutions in the world, but um, we would definitely love more um, minority serving institutions, HBCUs. Um, I'm in conversation with a community college system now, and that would be our first. And I'm really excited about that um, because, you know, supporting student well-being isn't limited mm-hmm. by campus type at all. Right. So um, being able to have representation across all institution types is really important to me. Um, so I'm excited to see that grow as the years go on with this project. I would love to see you start going at veteran-friendly campuses too. Yes, that is sure. a whole population that I think would be a really interesting group to to kind of key in on. So absolutely, uh, that's that's great. I'm giving you some extra work. So there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Frank, what are your thoughts? So you know, this has been a great discussion today, and I I think we've really underscored many of the reasons that Swiss is is beneficial for campuses. Um, what really struck me was the the questioning around COVID, and mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it was serendipitous that we administered and launched a, a Wells survey during during a pandemic. But I think the timing actually couldn't have been better because I think it reinforced to me that students' needs are evolving and institutional leaders have to be um, agile and responsive to those needs. And it also showed me that our students are all vulnerable in some ways, right? And and I think some students um, that were the most vulnerable, the I think the pandemic really did exacerbate those challenges. But um, students will, will continue to be vulnerable just like they always have. And perhaps we as institutions haven't asked the right questions to understand that vulnerability. And so that's that's what I think is really beneficial about Swiss. It gives institutional leaders data um, and answers to timely questions regarding their students' needs and the evolving needs in ways that I haven't seen, honestly, in other instruments. 
And what are your thoughts on maybe some other institutions you'd like to see come in here? Or you think Bridget's on the right track? Yeah, <laughs> I, I always, I've learned long ago to agree with whatever Dr. Yuhas says. Um, <laughs> but I, I will say, you know, I, I think the higher ed landscape is so complex. And as we look at um, enrollment challenges, as you see people that are talking about the demographic cliff and changes that are coming within years to enrollment on campuses and looking at students moving in and out and across higher education, um, I, you know, institutional type, um, may the lines may be blurred in the future from what they used to be as we see students um, moving around. And so I think for me, it's important that we have a commitment to diversifying the types of institutions that participate um, in in the survey, because I, I do think it, it does give to Bridget's earlier point that that comparative data set for folks. But, I, you know, I was really struck when we were presenting at a conference a year or so ago on this topic and a, an administrator from a community college system came up to speak to me after the conference and um, was really taken by the work and was really interested on how could we bring this to a multi-campus community college system in their state. All, all of the campuses serve different populations, different students have different academic Greek programs. And, you know, it was a great conversation about how truly customizable this is for campuses. And we give you the results and then we can help you make sense of it and make meaning of it for your different campuses. And so, um, you know, I'm excited to see more liberal arts institutions, more research institutions, more minority serving institutions, um, and and certainly community colleges and community college systems. I just think there's room for, for this conversation to continue across all campuses. Fantastic. Um, and so as we close out today, uh, if you want to get in touch with everybody here, uh, I'm going to ask them to tell us the best way to reach out to you. So we'll go Josh, Bridget, and then Frank. So Josh, how, the, how should people find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, social platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, at Joshua E. Downing. Fantastic. You are all over the interwebs. Okay, Bridget, what about you? Um, drop me an email at swiss at butler.edu. Awesome. And Frank? Yeah, all of our contact information is on the Institute for Wellbeing page. So if folks forget this, they can always go there and find us. Uh, but you can find me on social media, Butler VPSA on all the platforms. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for being here. And uh, you have been a pleasure to have as our first show back on season two. This is Office Hours with Dr. DeVoe. It is a live audio broadcast aired and recorded weekly on the Fireside platform. I am your host, Dr. Laura DeVoe, and I want to thank you all for listening and being here. Be sure to subscribe to my newsletter, What's Up in the Academy. It is the number one higher education newsletter on the Substack platform. And follow me here on Fireside, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Links to subscribe are available through my link tree, which is right now scrolling across the center of your screen and will be available in the show notes. Now, get out there and learn something. We'll see you next week.